The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Well, hello cat. Hi. So, last week's episode, we said it was the beginning of March. Or the end of March. And it was not because we ended up having to postpone by a week because my beloved child became a Petri dish at daycare and had not only an upper respiratory infection, but also a viral bug, stomach bug, and an ear infection and was so kind as to share the upper respiratory infection with both of his parents. So... I'm still a little congested today. I'm trying to, like, talk through it. But this is much better than it was even just, like, two or three days ago where every time I talked, this was the sound you heard. Okay. (laughs) Breathed in a lot more than I breathed out. (laughs) But uh, I've gotten rid of my laryngitis and most of my bronchitis. So I can actually record now. Um, So unfortunately, we did miss the April Fool's episode. So (laughs) April Fool's uh, joke's on us. But we are now coming up on the middle of April. And life is good. Life is grand. And we will be coming up even closer to an in-person episode. Which, if my math is correct, and I do believe it is, will be airing probably on either April 29th or May 6th, depending on how far ahead Kat and I get before I depart to go to Key West. So, without further ado, and it is Okay, before we do that, because you told me to remind you, and I'm not getting yelled at, last tangent, you have to talk about your soda bread blessings god that's hard to say <gasps> soda, soda bread, bread blessings guys so long okay oh oh good for you for writing that down because that was i put it in my handy dandy notebook you did put it in your handy dandy notebook because i told you that three weeks ago now um <laughs> yeah because i'm not getting that why didn't you remind me text no so, no i appreciate sorry. that i appreciate that so um <clears throat> Back in August of 2021, the revered publication Humans of New York published a story about a poor New York City Irish pub that was struggling amidst the pandemic. And Mary O's Irish pub uh, was selling their soda bread. And they have soda bed, soda bed, soda bread scones. So they're actually, it's basically just soda bread baked into muffin tins. Um, But Mary O was selling these uh, via 
Shopify or something like that. But the normal price was, I think, $18. But if you wanted to spend a little extra, you would get with your soda bread scones a hand-drawn photo from Mary O's daughter and blessings on the next 90 generations of your family. So I purchased the soda bread scones uh, with the understanding that it would probably be months and months and months and months before I received these soda bread scones. And as it was, it was months and months and months. It was five months. Um, but they arrived just in time for St. Patty's Day or just after St. Patty's Day, somewhere around St. Patty's Day. And I got these soda bread scones from Mary O's Pub in New York. And one, it was hands down the best soda bread I've ever had, mainly because you couldn't taste the soda, which with most soda breads you can. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, soda bread is called soda bread, not because it is made with Coca-Cola like I thought as a child, but rather because instead of using yeast as a raising agent, it uses baking soda. It also generally has uh, raisins in it, which means it is completely unavailable to my sweet Irish mother to eat because she is allergic to fruit. But, which means I did not eat it growing up from my good Irish Catholic mother. But I did get my Irish soda bread, and I ate it. I ate all six scones over the course of about four or five days uh, with good Irish Kerrygold butter. Um, it was phenomenal. And from here on out, anytime anything good happens to me or my family, I will tell my child that, similarly to Stanley Yelnats, which is Stanley spelled backwards, Stanley Yelnats from the wonderful book Holes, uh, who blamed everything bad in his life on his... No good, rotten pig-stealing, great-great-grandfather. Uh, the, the line is a bit longer than that. But um, anytime something good in the Fiero family happens, it will be blamed on that wonderful Irish soda bread buying great-great-grandmother Claire who bought the Irish-blessed Irish soda bread from Facebook. So that will be my family's blessings. And I really hope that actually becomes a thing and gets passed down from generation to generation where... Oh, look at that, Timothy. You got an all-expenses-paid trip to Oxford for four years of education. Must have been because great-great-grandma Claire bought that blessed Irish soda bread from Facebook. Um, so that's going to be the thing. And that is my... Damn it, I forgot to turn my AC off. Hannah Beth will, be... will beat my ass later. I almost said Hannah Breath. So I, like, I had to stop for a second it's been a while since we recorded, okay? It's been like three weeks. By the way, anyway. guess what you're going to be home for part of? What? The Conquer Public toilet paper throwing <gasps> on boats thing. Yes, the Conquer <laughs> The celebration of the cessation. Okay, so yeah. we're just doing all of the uh, tangents right here at the beginning of the episode, guys. So if you wanted to skip ahead to the episode, I would just go to around like the 10 or 15 minute mark. I doubt it. I doubt it'll take that long. Maybe the 10-minute mark. That'll be safe. But for those of you who are unaware, uh, I'm actually going to look up the date so I get this right because it is important. It's the, yeah, it, they're doing it from the 15th to the 27th, but for what you're talking about, I don't know what the dates are. Yes. So, um, well, first off, most importantly, it is the uh, bicentennial for Key West. Key West has now been a city for 200 years, which is quite exciting. But... Uh, the Conquer Public, as Key West is often called, uh, refers to uh, the tongue-in-cheek secession of the city of Key West from the United States on April 23rd, 1982. 
Um, and ever since we've used it as sort of like tourism bump, I'm also just reading this straight from Wikipedia. But essentially, uh, our motto is we seceded where others failed. Also, the mitigation of world tension through the exercise of humor. Um, but uh, essentially what happened was a uh, in an attempt to prevent Cuban migrants um, from getting from Key West to the mainland, uh, U.S. Border Patrol put up a roadblock and a checkpoint at the top of the Florida Keys. And the Keys basically said, well, if you're going to treat us like a foreign nation, we are going to become a foreign nation. And we seceded from the Union and immediately requested, uh, I think it was $100 million in um, uh, foreign aid. Uh, and uh, we threw tomatoes at the Border Patrol people and then immediately surrendered. Uh, it was great. But uh, we do have a Congo Public Air Force and Navy. Um, and so basically all the rich people in Key West who own planes, uh, will take those planes out during the celebration of the secession and will throw toilet paper rolls at the actual U.S. Navy and Coast Guard. It's phenomenal. It is a big party. Uh, there is a bed race where people literally build beds with wheels that they push down to Ball Street and race them, uh, which is lots and lots of fun. But uh, we have souvenir passports and vehicle registrations. Please don't actually use those. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a really fun celebration that we do every year, and that is why QS is called the Conquer Public. Now you know. Oh wait, hold anybody, on. Nineteen eighty-two. Wants to see videos. Nineteen eighty-two. This is the fortieth anniversary. It's a big year. Look at yeah, us go. And if anybody wants to see videos of the toilet paper throwing, I have them from a couple years ago that I can post to the group. Oh, yeah, curious. that should go on our TikTok. But uh, without further ado, it is time for Kat to do what had happened was so that I can eat my lunch very, very quickly. <laughs> okay, so basically, Sirius, Remus, and Tonks were at Grimald, Grimald Place. God, I can't say that. And Remus basically told Tonks everything that happened with the pack bond and Maya slash Hermione and Time Turners and uh, her <laughs> going missing. Are you choking? No, I forgot to record for Shia. Oh my god. Okay, so, like, her going missing and all that stuff. So he basically told her the whole, like, story and Tonks was just like, okay, whatever. She was very understanding. Didn't really seem to be shocked or anything like that. Well, I mean, it's basically... his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically what happened last time. It was basically just him telling her pretty much what had happened was. <laughs> Clara's mad at me because she's shoving food in her mouth and I'm done and she can't say anything. <sighs> Mainly because I was really hoping what had happened was would last longer so I could eat faster or eat more. Oh. I'm just staring it's at Cat with, like, each. Alfredo noodles hanging out of my mouth. <laughs> well, it's not my fault you chose to eat when we were recording. I need to eat more. Okay. Which is still not something I'm used to, but... Uh... Mm. Ah, God, ah, oh, ah! I'm sorry. I got old and I got sensitive teeth, so now when I drink cold things, they hurt. I'm using you know sensitive. They make stuff. For I that, know. Right? Okay. Because remember, death creeps in through the gums. 
I stole that from Sarah Silverman because when she was on Ellen yesterday, she was talking about how much she loves this water pick. And she was like, because death creeps in through the gums. And I'm like, yep. Said like a true dentist's daughter. (gasps) I just realized you're more Hermione than I am. Yeah, and I'm the one who is the kid of a dentist, but yet when I went to the bachelorette party, I realized halfway up the keys that I forgot my toothbrush. So, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, fuck, I need to open up fanfiction.net so that I can... We're bad at this. <laughs> Hannah Beth is screaming at us right now. She is yes. so not. So, she, she was unable to join us this week because she had um, other commitments but uh <laughs> um yeah so uh we're unsupervised sorry anyway author's note reference chasers should read dead of time chapter eight and order of the phoenix chapters one and two chapter 115 not often very likable oh it's named after me <laughs> i'm just kidding people love me oh they do now. They did not when I was younger. Yeah. I was the only one who liked her. It was fine. That is true. That is true. Kat is the only one of my friends who has stayed true from preschool to now. I, I have friends. Because I'm a Hufflepuff. Because you're a Hufflepuff. It's funny. Like, the people I was absolutely closest to in elementary school were not close to anymore at all. And then there were people that, you know, I got close to in high school who just kind of fell off the face of the earth when we moved to different places. But Kat has always been my constant. Because I'm loyal. As a mofo. No one can rap about me and say, this bitches ain't loyal. <laughs> I love you. August 2nd, 1995. They're here. People are here. And that's what everybody said after you could see people after the <laughs> pandemic again. They're here. People are here. Yeah, also, that's what I blame for my child being sick. It's like he went from being a pandemic quarantine baby to daycare. And it was a rough transition. It's been three weeks of hell. But uh, Sirius rushed down the many flights of stairs at Grimmauld Place, feeling like Christmas had come early. Moody, Tonks, people are here, he shouted, quickly silencing the portrait of his mother, who had started screaming. Calm down, Pads, Remus chuckled as he followed Sirius to the front of the house, where Weasleys began filling inside. You're going to scare them. He patted Sirius on the shoulder as he joined him in greeting the family of redheads. Arthur Weasley stepped forward while his wife and children struggled behind him with their trunks, all trying to squeeze into the hallway at once. Arthur looked just as Sirius remembered him years ago, though with a few more pounds round the middle and a little less hair on top. Sirius, it's good to see you again after all these years. He offered a kind smile and extended a hand in greeting. Sirius grinned, taking the hand gladly. Arthur Weasley, can't thank you enough for taking your family on that trip to Egypt. Without that photograph in the Daily Prophet, I'd still be in Azkaban. Arthur frowned and looked down, clearly guilt-stricken. I only wish that you couldn't have known, Arthur. Sirius assured him, interrupting the man to do so. Sirius sighed softly and nodded. Author sighed softly. Hold on a sec. That does not say serious. Oh my god, Hannah Beth is like, I don't get paid enough for this crap. Arthur sighed softly and nodded. Still, twelve years? No rat lives that long. I'd brought my son Percy with me to work one day, not long after you-know-who, well, vanished. 
Don't know how he found it, but by the time we got to, back to the burrow, Percy was holding on to this rat. Molly told me to get rid of the filthy thing, but Percy was attached. I knew I didn't like Percy for a reason! Sorry. He'd never had anything of his own before, something that hadn't first belonged to either of the older boys. The rat wouldn't let anyone else hold him for those first few years. Just Percy. We should have known something. You should have bought a cat. Sirius laughed, hoping to alleviate the shame from the wizard in front of him, who had never done a thing wrong in his life. Maya had always spoken kindly of Arthur, who fought for muggle rights against a wizengamot that despised him, doing his best to make the world a better place while providing for his exceptionally large family in the process. No hard feelings, honestly. No. Arthur shook his head. I feel I need to apologize. I know we didn't know each other very well back then, but we were friendly, and... He paused and looked down, fighting back tears. And Maya loved and trusted you. She was a good witch, and her word should have been enough, but she... I know, Sirius interjected quickly, his smile fading at the mention of his witch. Was she ever found? Arthur asked, looking up. No. Sirius answered without hesitation. Sirius, I am so... Arthur! Molly Weasley called down from the front door. Can you help with these boys? Put that down! Ronald, help Hermione with her trunk. Sirius and Remus looked up to spot the little witch, making her way through the front door, struggling with the large Hogwarts trunk, her fat kneesel slipping between the legs of the crowd, making his way towards Sirius. Grinning at the familiar beast, Sirius leaned down to scratch Crookshanks behind his ears, smiling smugly when the cat purred at him. "'She's got hands!' Ron snapped at his mother. "'I've got my own stuff to take care of.' "'Such a gentleman,' Hermione muttered, rolling her eyes as she finally made her way into the house. "'It's fine, Mrs. Weasley. I can take my own things. Thank you.' "'You'll do no such thing, kitten.' Sirius insisted, moving through the crowd to take a handle of her trunk in his hand, pulling it away from her. He looked down at the girl and swallowed nervously. Kitten? Hermione repeated the word, making a displeased face as she spoke. Sirius rose an eyebrow and grinned. Yeah, because you got claws. Hermione looked as though she were trying very hard to hide her irritation as she politely said, I don't like nicknames. It's a pet name. Sirius argued, and tried pulling her trunk down the hallway, only to find she still had a grip on it, apparently intent on carrying it herself. He stared at her, incredulously, and tugged on the trunk a bit, trying to pry it away from her. Hermione mirrored his movement, pulling on her luggage. With all due respect, Mr. Black, Sirius winced the moniker, releasing the trunk as if it bit him. Oh, for Merlin's sake, don't call me that. It's... Hermione frowned looking uncomfortable. You're allowing us all to stay in your home. It's only proper that I be respectful and call you. You can call me serious, he said, interrupting her. Please don't call me Mr. Black. I'm begging you. She looked disappointed at being told what to do. It was eerily similar to the expression that Maya used to wear when she would catch him mid-prank at Hogwarts. <clears throat> Very well. She eventually agreed, and then tested by saying the name to his face. Sirius, thank you for allowing me to stay in your home. What's mine is yours. The words tumbled out of his mouth before he realized what he had said. 
Thankfully, the meaning of the statement didn't appear to register, as she glanced over Grimmauld Place, looking as though she didn't want to touch anything. Hermione bit her lower lip in obvious consternation. Your home, it's... it's... very... It's a dark magic-infested shithole, Sirius finished bluntly, smirking when his foul language drew a shocked and annoyed look from her. It was still great fun to get her a little angry. You don't have to say anything nice about the house, Hermione. I promise you won't offend me. It's not my house, anyway. Belong to my parents. I haven't lived here since I was sixteen. Oh. She frowned as she turned around to face him once more, taking her eyes off of the curtain-covered painting on the wall. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Nothing to be sorry about. I didn't get along well with my folks. Obvious reasons, of course, he said, gesturing to the house. So I left one day. His eyes briefly flickered to the other room, a room he now kept purposefully closed and had yet to go inside since returning to Grimmauld Place. The one request that he had before moving back to his childhood home was that, before he arrived, Moody, Kingsley, and Tonks were to make sure that a certain stained Persian rug was nowhere to be seen. I moved in with the Potters and closed the book on this part of my life. Sirius stared at the girl as she moved through the hall, glancing at a few of the other portraits on the wall that were left uncovered. But the past is a way of coming back to haunt me. If we open a quarrel between past and present, we shall find that we have lost the future, Hermione said with a soft smile. Sirius raised a brow. What? Winston Churchill. Remus stepped around Sirius, a bright smile on his face. Muggle. Hermione's smile intensified, clearly having not seen him before then. Professor Lupin! Sirius scowled at his best friend. Aren't you popular? <laughs> I love the fact that he's, like, upset that his buddy's pen pals with his girlfriend who's, well, former future girlfriend who's still a minor. Yes. <clears throat> Remus chuckled and ignored Sirius, walking forward to give Hermione a polite hug from the side. I've not been your professor for over a year, Hermione. You may call me Remus, if you'd like. Hermione laughed and shook her head. You'll always be Professor Lupin to me. Sirius snorted at the brief look of anxiousness on Remus's face. Let's hope not. I'm sorry. <laughs> because they know that in her future she's gonna uh, 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 with Remus. Brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to sit there smiling and blinking at you until you react because you've been quiet. Oh, I got nothing to say at the moment. Yeah, no, we're just getting through formalities. Serious, Remus warned. Would you like a tour? Sirius offered. Hermione looked to be interested until Molly Weasley's voice boomed from below, echoing inside the halls. Ginny? Hermione? Can you girls come and help me set up everything in the kitchen downstairs? Taking a preemptive measure against his mother, Sirius held the black curtains in front of the portrait shut. Maybe another time, Hermione smiled at Sirius. I'm sure Fred and George would be willing to go on a tour of the place. They've been talking our ears off about the pair of you. Us? Why? Remus asked. Hermione rolled her eyes. You're apparently their idols, marauders map and all. 
Ginny! Hermione! Molly yelled again. Sirius had briefly let go of the curtains in front of the portrait, which, at Molly's volume, sprung open, revealing the enraged image of his mother. <coughs> Fifth disgusting creatures, blood traitors, and mudbloods tainting the house of my father! Ow. <laughs> You're welcome. Pro tip, taking a drink of water before doing that helps. Now I'm not dying. Sirius jumped back as quickly as possible and shut the curtains, silencing the old witch. He turned and looked at Hermione, feeling guilty and mortified. I am so sorry about that. It's my mother's portrait. We can't seem to get it down from the wall. The shouting from the painting and the specific words used had clearly upset Hermione, who was clutching her hand to her chest as she caught her breath. Maya had perfected the ability to rein in her emotions, not wanting to ever appear weak, but Hermione had yet to be able to completely hide away the pain that the slur caused. It's fine, she lied. Not your fault. Sirius and Remus stood awkwardly in the hallway, both clearly struggling with the need to comfort her, but neither in a position to do so, to the fact that Hermione was not Maya yet. She was just a fifteen-year-old girl, the best friend of their best friend's son. Almost as if the thought occurred to the men at the same time, they grimaced and took a step back from her. It was at that moment that Ginny came barreling down the stairs, rushing past Remus and Sirius, whom she silently, silently greeted with a polite smile, before snatching Hermione's hand and pulling her towards the door. Come on, Hermione, before Mum starts screaming again. The moment Hermione vanished down the stairs, Sirius leant against the wall behind him and dropped to the floor in defeat. Remus leaned his forehead against the nearby doorframe. That could have gone better. Is that right, Professor? Sirius said sarcastically, grinning when Remus groaned. How the hell did you get through an entire year of that? Remus stood up straight again and looked down at Sirius, shoving his hands into the pockets of his robes. Honestly, I had Dumbledore remove some of my more potent memories. Orchards? Sirius asked, scratching at the pack mark buried beneath tattoos on his shoulder. Among others, Remus nodded, a slight blush tinting his cheeks. I still knew everything that had happened, but it was supposed to take the edge off. Unfortunately, Umi remembers everything, so even when I struggled to make the connection, the wolf was right there to shove it in my face. It would probably help you, though, if you wanted to try it. Sirius contemplated exactly how to respond for a moment. Take my memories of her out of my head. Remus, I'll be as gentle as I possibly can when I say this. I will very literally tear the throat out of any witch or wizard that tries to take that girl away from me again, even in memory. Remus nodded in understanding, but then smiled. Don't let Hermione hear you say things like that. She's quite a pacifist. I thought you said she punched the Malfoy's brat. It was a rare moment, and you could tell she felt bad for it afterward. She's almost pure Gryffindor. It took... It'll take Doria to bring out her inner Slytherin. Sirius rolled his eyes. Terrific. I'm trapped in my childhood home. The place where I literally almost died once. My dead mother screams obscenities any time someone speaks too loudly. 
Dumbledore refuses to bring Harry here, and not only am I forced to be around the fifteen-year-old version of my bondmate who doesn't even remember me, but she no longer finds my violent streak endearing. What the fuck else could go wrong? As if summoned by the words, Creature appeared, walking around the corner and glaring at Sirius. Master horrible wretch that he is has let the filthy blood traitors into the house. Oh, my poor mistress. What would she do to Creature if she knew Creature was forced to clean up after traitors and werewolves and shifters and the filthy mudblood? Oh, they've let a mudblood girl into the house. Poor Creature. <laughs> Enraged by the slur being used against Hermione, Sirius stood, and able to contain the anger he had been burying deep down all month, he barreled down upon the house-elf. He put his dragon-hide boot on Creature's back and shoved him down the small set of stairs. Don't you ever say that word again. Sirius, Remus scolded. Sirius turned to look at his best friend, who was staring across the hallway. He followed Remus's line of sight and cringed when he saw Hermione. She stood in the open door, her brown eyes wide and furious as she glared at him like he was the murdering monster the wizarding world assumed. Before he could say a word, she rushed forward and fell to her knees at Creature's side. "'You poor thing!' she cried out, reaching to help and ignoring the way the house elf tried to fight her. She narrowed her eyes back at Sirius, absolute disgust in her gaze. "'How could you?' He's just a poor house-elf. Hermione, that thing just called you. I don't care what he called me. You think I haven't been called a mudblood before? It's just a word, one that wizards taught him to use. She returned her attention to Creature, her features softening in obvious sympathy. Are you all right? The mudblood touches Creature. Oh, what would Mistress say if she knew? He howled as if burnt, and then disapparated away from her. Do you see? Sirius pointed. He's not a thing to be pitied, Hermione. He's not a thing at all, she bit back. And I'd greatly prefer it if you didn't violently attack a poor elf on my behalf. Not only is it cruel, I don't need you to defend me. It's not your job, Mr. Black. She huffed, and then stood up, turning on her heels and storming away out of the hallway, presumably back to the kitchen with Molly and Ginny. Remus groaned. That went well. Not my job? Sirius repeated, his eyes wide, staring at the empty space where Hermione had recently stood. You did know that Maya had a soft spot for elves, Remus reminded him. Not my job. I'm going to do you a favor, Pads. Remus told him, placing his hands on Sirius's shoulders and directing him up the stairs. One that Maya did for me a long time ago. Not my job, Sirius continued to say. Did you hear her? Remus ignored him as they climbed the stairs. We're going up to your room, and you're going to take a calming draught and maybe a hot bath so you can relax, because your still underage bondmate is downstairs, completely unaware of who you actually are, and right now you're a little intense. If Molly Weasley catches you looking at Hermione in that overly protective and possessive way, he stopped as Sirius turned around and glared at him. Yes, the way you're looking right now. 
Molly is going to avaunt at you in the kitchen and feed you to Buckbeak. What, you're serious? Tonk said as she walked down the stairs, meeting them on the landing. Hello, love. She smiled brightly and kissed Remus's cheek. What's wrong with him? He may or may not have kicked the bitter old prejudiced house elf that called Hermione a mudblood, Remus answered. But he did so in front of Hermione, who happens to consider herself a bit of a house elf rights activist. Ouch. Wait. Tonk's currently green eyes widened. So she's here? Merlin, I'm gonna go meet her. She exclaimed excitedly and began to move down the stairs. What? Remus paled. Wait! Oh, calm down. Tonks turned back and grinned at them. I'm not going to go and pretend to read the girl's future. I'll just make with the nice, morphed my face a little to impress. She turned her nose into a pig snout. Soon we'll be the very best of friends. And I'll try to play you up a bit, yeah? She offered, gesturing to Sirius. That... Sirius began, and then paused, staring at his cousin. That would actually be very much appreciated. Thanks. Are you actually playing matchmaker for your cousin with a fifteen-year-old witch? Remus asked incredulously. What? It's not like she'll start swooning over him now. There's still years before you send her back in time, and then she's got to grow up a bit. Besides, if we're being technical, I'll be playing matchmaker for you, too. Tonks retorted, and then outright laughed when Remus's mouth fell open. What? Did you happen to forget the fact that she's your ex as well? Want me to talk you up? She waggled her eyebrows, clearly amused with the look of horror crossing her boyfriend's face. Remus's posture stiffened. You're doing this on purpose to rile me up. Tonks grinned. It's just so easy. This is so uncomfortable. Remus groaned. How are you even remotely okay with this? Sirius was the one to answer him. Doria once told me it had something to do with being a black. Things that are considered uncomfortable, unacceptable, or awkward kind of come naturally to us. We're born without shame. Tonks nodded, accepting the answer. You boys go have fun. I'm going to ask your lovely little witch if she's got a preference for blondes or brunettes. August 5th, 1995 before we begin, have silencing charms been cast on the doors? I don't think it would be appropriate for the younger guests of this house to be privy to order information just yet. Not to worry, Albus. I cast them myself, Molly Weasley assured him, as the group sat down around a large table. The order was gathered together for their first official meeting as a whole since the return of Voldemort. Until tonight, Dumbledore had only been indirectly setting things in motion so that they could get to Grimble Place set up securely enough to meet in secret. Everyone took their place around the large table, with the exception of Emmeline Vance and Arabella Fig, who were taking turns keeping an eye on Privet Drive. It would have been Mundungus's shift, but he had spectacularly fucked up once already, and Harry had been attacked by Dementors because of it. At one end of the long table sat Dumbledore with Mad-Eye to his right, and Kingsley to his left. At the other end of the table sat Sirius, Remus, and Tonks. Sirius could not help but feel like they were already in some sort of battle as he stared across the long table at the elderly wizard. Dedalus Diggle, Elpheus Doge, McGonagall Mundungus, Sturgis Podmore, and Hestia Jones filled in the remaining seats in between the Weasleys. Standing in the corner of the room was a glaring Severus Snape. 
You might want to put up an imperturbable charm on the door as well, Molly, Sirius advised. Molly glared at him, as though he were questioning her skills at silencing charms. And why is that? she demanded, placing her hands on her hips to add emphasis to what she probably thought was a commanding tone. Unfortunately for Molly, she was not dealing with her offspring, but rather Sirius Black, who did not fear her the way her children might. He stared up at her, unaffected by her attitude, which was growing more and more insolent by the day. "'Because I've had the honor of getting to know your children over the past few days, and they are more intelligent than people give them credit for.' He gestured to the bottom of the door, where a pair of extendable ears were slipping through the one-inch gap on the floor. Sirius chuckled. Molly bristled. Snape snatched up the extendable ears, yanked them through the gap in between the bottom of the door and the floor, and then threw up the imperturbable charm, whilst glaring across the room at Sirius. "'How goes the effort to clean up to the house?' Dumbledore asked. "'Very well,' Molly said, as she took her seat at the table next to her husband. "'There's an infestation of doxies we need to take care of, but there's plenty of time before the children return to Hogwarts. Lots of little helping hands.' Sirius rolled his eyes. "'And, Sirius, how are you doing? Since you are incapable of leaving Grimaud Place, please don't hesitate to ask any of the Order members to bring you anything you are in need of.' Sirius looked up at Snape and grinned, earning a sneer in return. He had half a mind to make a long list of things he was in need of just to send the greasy git off on an errand, but he knew that such tasks would likely be passed on to Molly, who would lecture him on the amount of muggle liquor that was on his shopping list. "'Thank you, Albus,' Sirius drew his attention back to the man. "'I very much appreciate that. There is actually one thing I've been wanting brought to me, if it's at all possible.' Dumbledore smiled brightly. "'What would that be?' My kid. Remus reached a hand out and set it on top of his arm. Serious. No! He yanked his arm away, glaring back across the table at Dumbledore. I want to know why Harry is not here. He should have been brought to me the moment we opened this house up, not living back with those rotten muggles. Lily's sacrifice, Dumbledore began, no longer applies. Sirius argued, cutting him off. Wormtail used Harry's blood to bring Voldemort back to full strength. He ignored the way that half the Order flinched in response to the name. Honestly, weren't they supposed to be the ones brave enough to face him? Lily can no longer protect Harry, and I'll thank you, Albus, to not mention it again. There are very few subjects anyone should take caution when broaching with me, and Lily Potter is one of them, he said on the edge of a growl. Someone in the room scoffed loudly, and Sirius turned his angry eyes upon Snape. He stood there, pointing at the man. Don't start with me, Snivellus. Sirius, Dumbledore said, redirecting his attention. Lily's sacrifice made it so that I was able to cast a protection charm over Harry. While he remains living with his aunt and uncle, he is safe in their home. Sirius bobbed his head, retaking his seat and kicking his feet up on the table, much to Molly's obvious distaste. Understood, except you know. Should he ever need to step a single foot outside that home, then he's got Dementors attacking him. Never mind what the Muggles are doing to him inside the house. Harry is perfectly safe, 
Dumbledore tried to say, but Sirius was having none of it. Arthur, Molly, when Harry's not with the Dursleys, he's generally in your care, isn't he? Tell me, what do you think of the treatment he's been getting from the muggles? Arthur and Molly both avoided the eyes of everyone else in the room. Before either could reply, Dumbledore cleared his throat. <clears> throat> it's because of the Dementor attack and Harry's approaching hearing with the Ministry that we do plan on retrieving him early. Tomorrow, in fact. Sirius folded his arms across his chest. Good. I'd like to put together an advanced guard to bring Harry to Grimoire Place by Broom. Alistair? Mad-Eye nodded stiffly, looking at Dumbledore. His magical eye focused on Sirius and looked annoyed, if that was even possible. I'll bring Doge, Diggle, Shacklebolt, Podmore, and Vance. Excuse me, Mad-Eye, Tonk spoke up, looking offended. Forget someone. Did I? I'm coming too, Tonks announced, glaring at her mentor in a way that said he would have a bigger fight on his hands by arguing with her. And Remus, Sirius added. Moody glared across the table. No. Moody, I know you and I have problems that go back decades, Sirius stated, reminding himself of the time when he had physically assaulted his old boss, threatening to shove his badge down the man's throat the day that he quit his job. But that's my godson, and if I can't be there, then Remus will be. When, shockingly, no one argued with him right away, he leveled a glare at Dumbledore, the likes of which he felt Maya would have been proud of. Every last one of James and Lily's requests have been ignored for Harry's entire life. Now that I'm back, I'll be setting things straight. When Harry is not at Hogwarts, he's with Remus or myself. I'll concede that he can go to the Burrow, but that's only because I trust him with Arthur, he said, purposefully leaving out Molly's name. Just watch her fume a little. I can agree to allowing Remus to be a part of the advance guard, Dumbledore responded. Sirius noted that he didn't speak of any of his other demands regarding Harry's care and safety. Thank you, Albus, Remus said politely, inclining his head. Now, Intel says that you know who's after the prophecy once more, Moody began. At the mention of Intel, each set of eyes fell on Snape, who ignored every last one of them. Once Potter's safely is Once Potter's safety is secured and the damn hearing is taken care of, that's our biggest issue to deal with. What do you suggest, Alistair? Arthur inquired. Moody looked up, his magical eye swirling in its socket. Constant vigilance. After the meeting, the order departed, leaving behind the current residents of Grimmauld Place. Remus said goodnight to Dora, who left for a late shift at the Ministry, before he watched Arthur and Molly retire to their temporary room. The younger occupants had been ushered off to bed hours earlier, and Remus himself was looking forward to a good night's rest, his body already aching from the approaching full moon the upcoming week. He passed the open door to the library, but stopped in his tracks and turned around to peek inside. There, on the sofa, was a quietly sleeping Hermione. Her wild mane of honey-browned hair circled her head like a halo. Her hands crossed over her chest, cradling a book. Sitting on the floor near her head was Sirius, staring at her while she slept. 
He very gently brushed a lock of hair from her face, tucking it behind her ear. Remus frowned at the look of pain on his friend's face. Pads, everything okay? He whispered as he walked into the room. Sirius did not even turn his head at the interruption. I put up a silencing charm. Didn't want to wake her. Do you see? He asked with a small, sad smile. No nightmares. I know Maya's stopped when we got older, but seeing her at this age and not screaming in her sleep. He let out a shaky breath as though he were waiting for the ball to drop and for the witch to start stirring. Remus looked down at the girl and smiled. He couldn't deny that it was good to see her sleeping soundly. He had far too memories of watching Maya jerk awake, screaming loudly with tears in her eyes. She woke up terrified far too often. He pushed back the memories and looked down at Sirius, who turned away from Hermione for a moment to rub at his eyes. How have you been sleeping? Same. Dementors? Sirius bowed his head. If not that, then it's Azkaban in general, or... Godric's Hollow. Lately, my own mind putting, is putting together alternate versions of what happened to Harry in that cemetery. Remus put a hand on Sirius's shoulder. He'll be okay, Sirius. They'll be okay. Dumbledore has forbidden them from writing Harry. I don't know why, but the old man doesn't want him knowing anything that's going on. I didn't mean to snoop, but she had a whole letter written out, tucked in her book there. Told Harry she was sorry for not writing him sooner, asked if his aunt and uncle were feeding him. Sirius growled, and treating him well. What the hell is Albus playing at, Mooney? I've always trusted the man, same as you and James, but Maya never did. And now I'm starting to really wonder why. Remus frowned and sat down in the chair behind Sirius, looking across the room at Hermione, who continued to sleep. Ignorant of the stressful conversation taking place around her. That order meeting was a nightmare. I know you're angry, Pads. I'm angry. But it's not going to help. You need to stop antagonizing Snape and Moody and Albus, he said, then adding with emphasis, and Minerva. Sirius scowled. Do you see how she looks at me? Yes, Remus agreed. And she spent the better part of a year looking at me the same way. She knows who Hermione really is and knows who she is to us. You can't really blame her. Sirius huffed indignantly. I spent seven years in her classroom. You'd think she'd know me better. She knows you're not going to hurt Hermione, Remus assured him. But look at it this way. Right now, Hermione Granger is a well-behaved, model muggle-born student at the top of her class, despite all the trouble she ends up saving Harry and Ron from. And? Remus chuckled softly. And apparently all it took was growing up with us for a few years to turn her into a troublemaking prankster with a penchant for punching Slytherins. R Sirius ran a hand through his hair, watching as she took soft breaths from in her sleep a strange little smile on her face as though she were dreaming of something pleasant, a stark contrast to the nightmares they had borne witness to far too often growing up. She's in there. I can see her, Sirius whispered. I wish she could see me. 
Remus felt his heart break for his friend. She will, one day. And in the meantime, this little witch hates my guts. One corner of Remus's mouth quirked upward. You are not often very likable. She loved me once. I still suspect Imperius. Sirius chuckled, throwing his head back and sighing. Yeah, well, I think dating a werewolf softened her up for me. Remus smiled at the sound of his friend laughing. It came so rarely these days. She's going to be sore if we leave her sleeping on that sofa. Sirius agreed and then stood up, reaching forward as if to scoop Hermione into his arms. But then he hesitated and stepped away from her, wincing as though in pain. He shook his head, unconsciously scratching at the tattoo of Maya's name on his chest. Can... can you take her? I... I can't. If she wakes up in my arms, she's likely to hex me. If she wakes up in your arms, the little witch will be over the moon. Pun very much intended. Remus rolled his eyes but leant forward and lifted Hermione gently onto his arms, her bent knees hanging over his left forearm while his right cradled her shoulders. He turned to step out of the library to find that Sirius was not following him. He watched as his friend poured himself a small tumbler of fire whiskey, all the while likely knowing it wouldn't do anything but remind him of days gone by. Yeah, and that's the chapter. Look at us. We may have had a lot of tangents at the beginning, but we got through it pretty fast. I'm proud of us. Go team. That was sad, though. It was. Like, I... This, to me, like, this part kind of makes me think of the notebook a little bit. In that he knows who she is, but she doesn't know who he is. Yeah. When they're old. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm assuming that's what it's got to feel like. And that's got to be tough. So, it makes me sad. Yeah. But, but that's the chapter. And we are gung-ho moving forward with season eight. Which is still weird to me to say. Yeah, it is very odd, but here we are, went by fast. It it did, it did. It went by fast and not fast at all. Um, but I'm excited for us, we're doing well. Look at us go, we're growing. So, um, yeah, go team. Actually, I sorry, I started like staring at my computer. So what I was actually looking for is the season chapter breakdown to give you guys an idea of what's going on. So, chapter eight is, this season is a short one. Um, So, we are looking at ending this season in, so it's 12 episodes long, which is, it's a short season. So, the last episode will be June 17th. Very exciting. But, anywho, yeah, so, go team. Very exciting. Uh, I can't believe... Yeah, so we're already like a sixth of the way through this season. Yeah. It's going to be a quick one, guys. It's only episode two. It's only episode two. 
And then season nine is also 12 episodes and season 10 is 16 episodes. So season 10 will be good and bulky. It'll be our, it'll be our longest season. I think not ever, but there may, no season, season two was 18 episodes. Season three was 18 episodes. God, how did we do season four was 18 episodes. How the fuck did we do that so many times? Um, but yes, these are much more bite-sized seasons that we can get through. But, uh, yeah, so with that, we will thank our patrons for the month of April because we love them. We only have one new dog patron this month, but we would like to thank Darian very, very much for joining us. We appreciate having you. And of course, our foxes. We'd like to thank Becky, Tyler Maria, Anthony, Professor Magana Got It Going On, Jade, Tori, Stacy, Sierra, Steph, Shannon, Camille, Leanne, Sandra, Martina, Lynn, Nicole, Kayla, Amara, Claire, Jackie, Jordan, Ryland, Sarah, Amber, Matthias, Kara, Rachel, Sarah, Kenny, Carissa, April, Kaylin, Samantha, Cauldron Mist, another one for the baby jar. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Rude. Sarah, Ashley Lynn, Crystal, Ryder, Melissa, Cassie, Audrey, Laura, Sylvia, Catherine, Nina, Kendra, Miriam, Dan, Ash, Chris, Crystal, Misha, Becky, Crystal, Shauna, Katie Cat, Catherine, Kay, Jillian, Chelsea, Roshan, Frau Holly, Jamie, Matthew, Tanya, and Jasmine. Thank you again to all of our foxes. We're glad to have you with us. And... Cheers to the month of April. And we will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Watcha! Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.